the, the picnic on uh, Sunday. We had a great time and everything, but, you know, we all went home and we thought, oh man, it's going to be a great night. We're going to go to bed. Well, I got home and about 10.30, Pastor Jimmy called and he said, Pastor, you got to get to the hospital now. Now. And you know, my staff doesn't usually tell me that. And when I looked at it, I thought, oh man, what's going on, Lord? Well, I said, what's happening? And he said, Reuben Chasco had a heart attack. This is Reuben Chasco. And so, man, we went running up there. And on the way there, man, I just began to pray. And I sensed the peace. I really did. Just sensed the peace. And so we got in there. And the family was all there. And they came out about... Oh, I don't know, 12.30 or so, and said he was up and about. and So we got to go in and see him. Just pray blessings over him. So it blesses me he's here tonight. I mean, it's just the goodness of God. The goodness of God. And so, you know, there's, there's things that happen in life sometimes that when they go down, the Lord will, will instruct you on things. And so I heard the doctor come out and he, and he said to Serena, that, that Reuben must quit smoking. And so, as he said that, I heard him say that. And so, as I went back to see Reuben, I looked at Reuben and I said, Reuben, I'm not asking you to quit smoking. I'm telling you to quit smoking. And the reason I'm telling you to do that is because I love you. And I want you to be here a long time. And I want your wife to have a husband. I want your kids to have a daddy. And so, listen guys, I, I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not judgmental. I understand what it is to fight addictions at times. But I, I think it was a warning not only for Reuben, but for all of us. And so my, my goal is not to condemn anyone, but if you got issues with smoking and drinking, Man, we want to pray for you. We want to stand with you and say, come on guys, you know why? I like you guys. I like you and, and, and my job security as a minister is I marry them and bury them. But I'm not real fond of the last one. Even when you go to heaven because I like people. And so the Lord just began to speak to my heart on those areas. And so man, don't, don't be condemned by it. But I'm telling you guys, I think we've got to begin to pray for each other. And say, okay, guys, man, we're gonna we're gonna start taking care of our bodies. You guys realize this about our bodies? We only get this one body. We don't get two chances at life. And so, man, I got to learn to take care of it. And it's not always fun to to not do those things. It's not always fun to eat right. You know, Shelly's been gone all week, and man, if I'm not careful, I I don't eat as well as I should. And so last night. And I just fixed me some chicken. I grilled it. And then, man, I, I got me a corn on the cob. I had carrots. I had cauliflower. I had broccoli. And you guys are all looking like, you did that? I'm talented, guys. I'm talented. I know how to steam veggies. But a lot of times, my flesh doesn't like those things. But I realize, you know, I, I got to begin to eat right. And so... You know, I, I don't want to be a, a condemning. That's never my goal. But I believe even with what I saw with Reuben, just a wake-up call. And so I'm telling you, God will help you. I've been praying for you, Reuben, that man, God's going to begin to move in your life and there won't even be an appetite for that. And so, you know, 
We'll pray for people. We'll just start believing God and standing with you. You know why? Because like I said, I like you. I want to do life with you and want to see you live long on this earth. You know, we've been promised 70 or 80 years here, so we might as well take full advantage of it, hadn't we? All right. Praise the Lord. Just a thought. Reuben, you want to say anything? If you do, I'll get you a mic. You want to say something? Yeah, no, just stay there. I'm kind of like Montel. I can move. I just want to thank everybody that prayed for me uh, for a speed recovery. Uh, it was a wake-up call, and I mean, like Pastor said, we do got to stop smoking and stop eating those hamburgers yes. and steaks and stuff. And yes. I mean, that's I mean that's basically it. I mean, you only have one chance of life. I feel God gave me the second chance, and uh, I did have a major heart attack, but you know, didn't no damage to my heart. So Amen. that's just a wake-up call to me. And just want to thank you. Praise God. Love you, dude. Love you. Blessings. You know, we were able to, through all that, we were able to joke. You know, God's got a sense of humor. Me and Pastor Jimmy went back to see and Reuben said, Man, Pastor, your staff, they don't show any love or mercy. And I said, What do you mean? He said, Man, in that dodgeball game, he said, Look at my eye. <laughs> he had a big old whelp where Pastor Jimmy had hit him. And I said, well, you know what we'll tell people next year? Come to the dodgeball game. That we had one guy get so, got hit so hard that it caused him to have a heart attack. And then he said, my, my son, he said, he's got a big old whelp on him where Matt hit him. He said, man, these guys are ruthless. And so I said, well, you know, but we had fun doing it and it was a good day. But, you know, it's like, like I said, I believe this was a wake-up call too. Not only to Reuben, but to all of us. Okay, go with me to the book of Titus, chapter 3. Titus, chapter 3. And if you were here on Sunday, guys, if you weren't, get, get that CD. And there's some stuff in there. And I've had letters this week. Just real good letters all week. Just encourage them. But listen, guys, this stuff on forgiveness. Man, this isn't instant oatmeal. This isn't microwave popcorn. This is something I'm going to have to walk out every day. I'm just going to keep having to do it and keep diving in and keep diving in. Because if you don't, that stuff will swell back up in you. And so, man, once you get rid of that unforgiveness, just keep going at it each day, each day, each day. Think about this, guys. If, if you've had bitterness and unforgiveness that's rose up in you for 20 and 30 years, man, that stuff doesn't break loose overnight, but it will. When, Pastor, in due season. It's going to happen. But you've got to keep your heart right. Okay. I told you to go to the book of Titus. We've been talking about grace. And remember, definitions of grace are, are uh, undeserved favor, empowerment. Here's your good definition of grace. God's ability. God's ability. That's all it is. It's God's ability coming on the inside of me. Titus chapter 3. Let's just start in verse 3. For we ourselves were also once foolish. The message says we were stupid and stubborn. Man, I looked at that and then I looked at the definitions of this. Disobedience, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice, envy, hateful, and hating one another. And as I read those, I thought, yeah, there's several of those that used to define me right there. I thought, yep, yep, I see those. But get this. But when the kindness and the love of our God, our Savior toward men appeared... 
not by works of righteousness, which we have done. And so when he talks about works of righteousness, which we've done, you know what he's saying there? We've tried to earn it. We've tried to earn it. And, and that's what he's saying gets us in trouble. And he says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. And so he's talking about the word renewing and it means a, a renovating, a restoration, a transformation. And, and here it stresses the work of the Holy Spirit that will transform our life. The grace of God that comes on the inside. And so once again you see through the scriptures that when I try to work and I try to do it, man, things aren't going to happen. That's why God said, man, I'll grace you, I'll put my spirit within you. Verse 6. Whom he poured out on us abundantly. Man, I like that. He poured out on us, me, abundantly, through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so how did he justify us? By grace. By grace. And, and he says that we should be heirs through eternal life. You know what that means? Unending. Forever that we're going to be heirs. But how did we get there? We're justified by grace. Verse 7 or 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm when? Constantly. Constantly. Affirm these constantly. That those who have believed God, trusted and relied on God, should be careful to maintain or apply good works. These things are good and profitable to men. And so, we're not saved by good works, right? But then he says here that we should be careful to apply or maintain good works. Now you know what I believe Paul is saying here? That, that our response to the grace of God, our response to that grace, should be evident by the works in our life. There should be some manifestations of good works in our life. There should be some manifestations of fruit in our life. And so when I really give my heart to God and I start living by grace, I'm going to tell you, there should be some changes in the way you talk, the way you act, the way you behave. There's a transformation that goes on. Now I've told you this, what you guys get to see in my life right now at 50, I hadn't always been that way. I mean, when I got born again, guys, I was still so shallow. I still did things that I shouldn't do. But I kept believing God and I kept studying the Scriptures day by day. And you know what begins to happen when you just stay in the things of God? A transformation. A tra and there should become some evidence that you're really saved. This is what he's talking about. Look with me into the book of Proverbs chapter 3. See, I believe this, guys, we're to live godly in our conduct and our behavior because grace was never meant to give me an excuse to live ungodly. And what I really begin to see with grace even this week is grace allows me to see God's commandments as opportunities 
instead of obligations. What do you mean by that? Well, when I look at the commandments of God, I realize that when I obey them and I live by grace, there's going to be some opportunities that are going to come that are blessings. But years ago, my thought was this, that to do the things of God, man, it's an obligation, it's work, it's not fair, it's not right. Man, everybody in the world's having fun. Us Christians, it's just a boring... Man, that's not true. That's not true, guys. And so as you, you begin to, to do the, the commandments and say, thank God I get to obey. Thank God there's blessings established and go along with it. And so here we are in Proverbs 3. And what ends up happening in our lives that when we quit operating by grace, we get over to works. And you know what works will lead to? I worry and I reason. And then I reason and then I worry. And then I worry and I reason. And one of the definitions of the word uh, to worry means to torment oneself. Mentally, physically, and emotionally. And reasoning, you know what reasoning is? I turn it over and over and over in my thoughts until I finally think I've got an answer or solution. And when I think I've finally got an answer or solution, it leads me to a thing I like to call a false peace. And you know what that means? It's not going to last. It's not going to last. Now, I don't know if you're like me. Man, there's times in my life I'd sit there and worry, and I'd worry, and I'd reason. And, and man, my mind would begin to think, okay, if we just did this, if I just did this, and I think I've got it figured out. And then it'd be just the opposite the next day. That's why I've got to learn to live by grace. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Fully. Trust in the Lord without reservation. The Amplified says, be confident in the Lord. And so if I'm really trusting, I'm confident that He's going to do exactly what He said He's going to do. And so i got to learn, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and get this, and lean not on your own understanding, your own strength, your own ability, your own intelligence. Because you know what starts happening when I rely on my own ability, my own understanding? I, I get where self-reliance causes me to forfeit God's help. I give up that right. And you know what we're saying when we go off of our own abilities and our understanding? God, I don't need your help. And man, that's not a good place to be in. So he says, trust the Lord with all my heart. Lean not under your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Be fully aware of Him. Recognize Him in all your ways. Big ways, small ways. But you know what i got to learn to do? i got to acknowledge God every day in every way. Alright, Father God, this is what's going to happen today. And I'm looking to You. I'm calling out to You. Verse 6. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And he shall direct your paths. He'll make straight and right. God will straighten out the paths. He'll smooth them out. How? When I acknowledge him. When I trust him. So you know what the scriptures are telling me there? I just need to get out of the way. Say, all right, Father God, go to work in me. Now look what happens here in verse number 7. 
Do not be wise in your own eyes. Man, I've been there. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So you know what he's telling me? Run to God and run from evil. And so when I look where he says fear the Lord, the fear of the Lord is linked to how I trust the Lord because if I trust the Lord, I'm going to fear the Lord. I'm going to want to please Him. But when I get off where I don't trust Him, man, I become deficient. I become out there on an island by myself. But as long as I trust the Lord, you know what the Lord does? He'll put a fence around us. He'll protect us. He'll watch over us when we allow Him to. Now look here at there in verse number 8. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. What will? When I acknowledge the Lord. When I trust the Lord. When I'm not wise in my own eyes. This is the promise of Him. Okay, go with me to the book of, of Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16. Man, i got to get this on the inside of me tonight, guys. And Lord, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in you tonight. Proverbs 16, verse 9. A man's heart or a man's mind plans his way. Now, I don't begin, believe that God's against us planning things. That's wisdom to plan things. Man, you're never going to get out of school if you don't plan. You're never going to get a job without planning. Never going to be able to buy a home or without planning. But you want to know where the problem arises? When I tried to fulfill the plan. Now look what he says here. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his step. Woo, he directs the step. Who does? God does. God does. So I can plan, but the outcome has got to be Father God. And in order for that to happen, I must trust Him. I must begin to rely on Him and say, Okay, Father God, I'm hooking up with you tonight. But what happens is when I don't do that, I begin to worry. And I begin to reason. Which ultimately leads to frustration. And when that happens, it's a sure sign that I'm not in grace but I'm out of grace. It's a good sign, guys, when that frustration starts trying to come on you. Hebrews 12, 14 says that we're to follow peace or pursue peace. So when I'm operating by grace, guys, there's going to be a peace in my life. But when I get away from, from grace, that peace is going to leave. And you know what it takes its place? Frustration. Worry. Anxiety. You know, 1 Corinthians 14.33 says this, that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So one thing that begins to happen is when I live by grace, there's going to be a peace that's associated with it. But when I'm out of grace, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be confusion. And the confusion comes that I'm trying to figure everything out. And, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I haven't been this way. But in times in my life, I've been a champion warrior. I'll sit down and drink my coffee. And you know what I'll fellowship with? My problems, my issues, my circumstances. And before long, you know what? All the inner peace within me has left, has taken off, is gone. I've got to trust God. Think, Father God, I'm going to live by grace. Now go to the book of Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. So you know what I think the Lord's telling us over and over and over through this? you got to exchange your efforts and start trusting God. 
Man, Father God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And, and you know what? That may not be easy. Because for 20 years of your life or so long, you've been a worryaholic. You worry, you worry, and you complain, and you worry, and you have anxiety, and you try to reason, you try to figure things out. But it's different when you begin to turn things over to Father God and say, all right, Lord, remember what we read a couple of weeks ago, 1 Peter 5. Cast all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Now, do you think the Lord would have said, cast your care on me, if He really didn't mean it? Cast your care upon me, for He cares for you. Now, we're really going to get a little bit deeper here in Romans 4. This, this is good, right here. Verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? What has Abraham found according to his works or his abilities? Now, when you study Abraham's life, Abraham became the, the, the father of us all, basically. That because of the things, the blessings of Abraham, that they may come upon us. Now, we've got to understand what Abraham did to get the blessings and the covenant of God upon him. Verse 2. For it was Abraham, for if Abraham was justified or established by work, then he has something to boast about. In other words, he's got grounds to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God. He trusted God. He relied on God. He had confidence on God. And it was accounted to him, or credit to him, for righteousness. Now to him who works or labor, his wages are not counted as grace, or favor, or a gift, but as debt. In other words, they are considered something that's owed to him. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted or acceptable for righteousness. Just as David also described the blessedness of a man to whom God imparts righteousness apart from works. So I know that's a mouthful there. But over and over you see in that passage that Abraham was blessed not because his works. Abraham was blessed because he was a man who believed God and got over into grace. Abraham began to have to trust God. Now, how did he have to trust God? Well, if you study Genesis 12, that when Father God gave Abraham specific instructions, and he said, listen, dude, you've got to move away from your family and from your father's house and get out of this land and go to a land that I'm telling you to go to, you know what Abraham had to do? He had to obey that. He had to believe that. And Father God said in Genesis 12 too, he said, I'll bless you, I'll multiply you, I'll make you great, your name great, and I'll bless you to be a blessing. Now, none of that happened until Abraham acted by faith. Over and over and over, you see in the New Testament, the call is to believe God. It's to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. There in Hebrews it says, without faith it's impossible to please God. So we've got to learn to live by faith, trust God, and when I get over and trust God, part of living by grace is saying, okay, Father God, I'm believing you today, you're just going to grace me. 
Your ability is going to come on the inside of me. This is what Abraham had to do, and this is what I'm going to have to do, and you're going to have to do. Now keep reading with me, but pick up with me in verse 13. Romans 4.13 For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law or through works, but through the righteousness of faith. Now look what it said. That he would become the heir of the world. But look what else it says. And it was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law or through works. We're the seed of this, guys. We're beneficiaries of this right here. But it, he says, how did it come? By the righteousness of faith. That I just start believing God. And I just start trusting God. Verse 14. For if those who are of the law or works are heirs, then faith, on the other hand, is made void or empty, and the promise that God made of no effect, or it's annulled. It's gone. It's no good. And so he's telling us here, to live by the New Testament, I've got to learn to live by faith. Keep reading. Verse 15. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith, my believing, my trusting, and my relying, that it might be according to grace. And so how does it happen? Well, I'm saved by grace through faith. And so through faith, my believing, and through grace, which is God's ability. This is how the whole thing works, guys, that i got to stay in faith, but i got to keep my eyes on God. i got to keep my eyes on God. You know, even in Mark 11, 20, 22 and 3, when it says that we're to speak to the mountain, you know what, I can speak to the mountain day after day after day. And it says, Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, And whosoever will say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be cast in the sea, not down in his heart, but believe those things he says. Now for years of my life, guys, I would speak to that mountain. Man, I'd talk to that mountain every day. But with no, no avail, no blessings, no, no breakthroughs. Nothing happened. And you know the reason I believe now why that happened? Is because I was speaking to the mountain the whole time, but I took my eyes off of God. I gotta keep my focus on God. Say, okay, Father God, through you. There is no mountain through you that's too big, that's too difficult. And it goes back to the illustration of the fan. I can speak to that fan day by day by day, but I gotta stay plugged into my source. I gotta keep looking to God. Looking to God, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so this is what the, the ingredients was, not only for Abraham, but for me and you. Therefore, back to verse 16. Therefore, it is a faith that may be according to grace, so that the promise may be sure or certain to who? All the seed. Guys, that's every one of us. Once you receive Jesus as Lord, you become part of the covenant. I'm in covenant with Jesus and the blessings of Abraham. So I become where it's certain, I'm sure, that I'm going to get to see. This is going to be a blessing to me. Look what he says. Be sure to all the seed, not only those who have the law, 
but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. You know what he's telling us here, guys? There's a guarantee to me and you. There's a guarantee to us as descendants. But I'm never going to get it by works. I got to get over and start believing God and allowing grace to work in me. You know why a lot of people never receive from God? It's because, number one, they don't think they're worthy. I'm not worthy, Pastor. I have people telling me that. You're worthy. If you've received Jesus, Jesus made you worthy. And a lot of people say, I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough. I remember early years in my life as a believer, I would think the way I got to receive from God is I got to pray more. I got to do better things. I got to act better. And then you know what? God will bless me. You know, when you have that mentality that you're not worthy, that you're not good enough, or you've got to do more things, you know what that's getting back to? Works. You know what you're trying to do? You're trying to earn it. Man, i gotta, I got to earn it. i got to earn it. And it becomes a struggle. God never intended us for us to earn it. He said it's a gift. And the gift comes from what Jesus did for us. And you know what I just begin to do? I just begin to believe. Just thank God. Thank you, Father God. What is grace? It's unmerited favor. I don't deserve it. Rightfully so. None of us in this room deserve it. But you know what Jesus said and God said? I'm going to grace them. I'm going to bless them. And so think about this with Father God. With God, every day is Christmas. Every day is Christmas. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, when David buys me that new vet for Christmas, I'm not going to look... <laughs> I'm not going to look at him and say, Man, I don't, I don't deserve it, David. I hadn't been good enough all year. You know what, I, I need to go out and help some people before that happens. Now, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, give me the keys. Give me the keys. See, what happens at Christmas when someone gives us a gift? I mean, for me to give Matt a gift, I don't give him a gift. And you know, we get over on the Santa Claus stuff. Well, have you been good this year? Then you're going, ah, I'm going to give him a gift because I love him. And so when I give him the gift, he doesn't say, oh... Oh, I'm not worthy of it. I'm not worthy. He doesn't get out and kiss my feet. And I don't kiss David and bow to him. But see, this is how we've treated God. And God said, no, 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 you're missing it. You're missing it. Through grace and faith. You've been saved by grace through faith. So you know the bottom line is that, that Jesus has already paid the price for everything we need. And so I just got to get over and believe Him and start saying, okay, Lord, if you said this, then I'm just going to receive it. And some of you right now, well, just with that thought, I, I could hear the brakes screeching. I, I don't deserve it, Pastor. I, you don't... No, 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 no. See, we're missing the boat again. Look what He says here in verse 16. Therefore, it is a faith that may be according to grace... So that the promise may be sure or certain to all the seed. In other words, it's a done deal. The promises of God are there forever. And so you just begin to say, Oh, Father God, I received today. I received everything Jesus died for. Now look what he ends here with in verse 17. 
as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. God said, I've made you the father of many nations. You know what Abraham had to do? He just had to believe it. In the presence of him whom he believed God. So you know what Abe's job was? Abe's job wasn't to figure out, how am I going to become the father of many nations? How am I going to pull that off? I'm married to Sarah and she's two days older than dirt now. We don't have any kids and God's telling me I'm going to be the father of many nations. How's that going to... No, no, no. Catch what he said. In the presence of whom he believed God. He trusted God who gives life to the dead and he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now notice that verse does not say that God calls those things that is that are as though they're not. He said... I call those things that don't exist as they do. What does that mean? At the time he said to Abraham, boy, I call you the father of many nations. You know how many kids Abraham had? <laughs> Zero. And so you know what Father God was doing? He was speaking to Abraham by faith. He was saying, I call those things be not as though they are. And some of you would say, well, God's lying. No, God can't lie. God knew this, that I can speak to the mountain. I can speak to those things. Because remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of not seen. So just because I can't see things, doesn't mean in the spirit realm, God's not moving. He's not making things happen. And so you know what? We, we dream and we talk about things, sometimes things we've never seen. Well, this is what the blessings of God do. So you know what my job is? Just because it may not be physically in front of me, I start talking to it like it is. I start calling those things that be not as what? Though they are. You know what that is? That's just faith. I'm believing God. You know where it lines up to is the Scripture. Do you know most of you do that every day and you don't even know you do that? How do we do that? How many of you got a dog? You go outside. You look for spot. You don't see spot. So you know what you start doing? You start yelling, here's spot, here's spot. And you can't see spot. Spot's nowhere to be seen. But you still go out and you start yelling and some of you start whistling at something you can't see. And before long, you know what happens? Oh, spot shows up. He shows up wagging his tail. See, that's the same thing with God. We just start, God, start calling those things. All right, Father God, if you've graced me, if you've blessed me, then I'm going to go ahead and receive it. See, that's one of the ways, man, I hook up and say, okay, Father, if you're going to grace me. One of the ways, guys, I begin to get set free. This will help some of you who've been on addictions. One of the ways I got set free from alcohol is I begin to call that thing that was not as though it was. You know what I begin to do? I'd look in, my, in the mirror and you know what I'd tell myself? You're free from alcohol. Now, if these guys would have heard me saying that and they knew the pattern of my life, they would have looked and said, he's crazy. He's smoking some of the best dope I've ever had in my life. He's crazy. I've seen his actions. In his he, but... So every day I'd look in the mirror and I'd say, you're free from alcohol. You're free from alcohol. You know who said that? Father God said that in Colossians 1.13. He said, I've delivered you out of the power of darkness. I've delivered you. So you know what I begin to I begin to call those things that be not. I just started doing what Abraham did. And before long, you know what happened? There started becoming seeds of victory within me. 
And before long, that thing that didn't exist, it existed. It existed. See, this is where i got to get by grace. And say, hey, Father God, if you said it, I'm just going to receive it. I'm just going to believe it. I'm just going to believe it. And so some of you got to get a hold of that and just start saying, okay, Father God, woo, stand up, stand up. Oh, I don't know if we helped anybody tonight or not. Man, I helped me again.